And before I start the uh, uh, lesson for today, I had a few closing comments uh, on the issue that we were talking about last week, which was the issue of the heart of the Pharisee. Uh, Jesus spoke about the heart of the Pharisee and what the problem is with the Pharisees. And you understand that they started off well, uh, but after a while they got so caught up uh, in their self-centeredness and their self-righteousness righteousness, uh, and the law that they lost mercy. They lost the fact that the principal thing about God was God is merciful, filled with love. Uh, and, and the problem with the Pharisees was a lack of humility. Um, and humility needs to be a lifelong attribute. That's one of the things you need to ask God to do for you, to constantly fill you with humility, to recognize that when you look in the mirror, you see Jesus looking back at you. You don't compare yourself to other people that are lost. You compare yourself to the Lord Jesus Christ uh, and recognize that whatever talents you have, whatever gifts you have, Whatever strength you have, it's been given to you by God. It isn't that you developed it, that you, you are such a stupendous person, uh, that you worked yourself up uh, from, a, from a, a dark position. No, God gave you gifts and talents and strengths. And when you bow in submission and thank God for that, God lifts you up even more and blesses you even more. So we need to sit at the feet of Jesus. This is a significant problem, this lack of humility. Uh, and this self-centeredness, it's filled the churches. Um, and part of, the, of this lesson for you today is to understand that God wants you to go back and change your church. Can I get an amen? amen? All right. God wants you to go back and change your church, to change the people that are there, to change their hearts and to change their minds. Just as God wants you to reach out for the lost who are sitting on the curb, he wants you to reach out for the lost that are sitting inside. All right? Sitting inside, because let me tell you something, folks. There's a lot of lost people sitting inside. All right? Merely going to church, having a membership, belonging to a denomination, whatever it is, is insufficient. It is not what God looks at. He looks at your heart. I want to make sure we understand that. He looks at your heart. Uh, and so all of this comes to what God calls true worship. And so scripture requires really true worship and faithful teaching. And when we see that, we see that there are numerous sins of the church and sins of believers. And this is much of what the scripture is about. If you read what Jesus does, Jesus really is pointing out the sins of so-called believers, so-called institutions of religion. You don't really see Jesus speaking out for the most part about, about people that are out on the curb He's actually talking more about people that are inside. And so God wants us to have a heart for him. He wants us to have a heart to understand how we have to live as true worshipers. When we come together, how our churches should operate, how we should go out and reach the lost. We don't reach the lost because we're too self-centered in the way that we operate and we're uncomfortable by bringing a lot of these people in. They don't talk like I talk. They don't dress like I don't talk like I dress. They look differently than us. I, I'd rather they stay outside. I'd rather they stay outside. And so our church winds up being filled with people like this. God, forgive us. Father, forgive us. This is not what he wants from us. Um, and so uh, God wants us to be filled with mercy, to be filled with love. 
and to reach out to those that need it and, and to endure that. And that's why the Lord's Prayer says exactly what it says. Forgive us our debts as we forgive those who trespass against us. That's what God is teaching us. In order to get forgiveness, God wants you to have a forgiving heart. And so he's telling you, this is the nature of how you live your life. You don't live it self-centeredly. You live in an open view in which you constantly forgive others. And as you forgive others and are filled with humility and filled with mercy, God will bless you, God will raise you, God will restore you, and God will use you. And that's really what we want to be. We want to be used by God. And so now I'm going to start this next section on legalism. Jesus is going to preach about legalism. This is probably the single biggest problem um, with the institutional church in America. Probably the single biggest problem. Certainly a a major problem in the evangelical church movement in America uh, and it's one of the, the blessings that we have to be able to teach uh, in a place which is not affiliated with any particular church, but rather is, is a non-denominational setting, and it gives us the freedom to talk about issues like this, which affect all churches. Uh, and God is, is speaking to our hearts today about this issue, because this issue separates us from the lost. And here's what I mean. You cannot attract the lost If, in fact, you are abiding by a set of rigid rules and regulations, so rigid that your conduct is proscribed in such a way that nobody would ever want to hang around with you. You understand? Nobody would hang around with you. You don't do this. You don't do that. You don't do this. You don't do that. All right? And so what's left is this little narrow cubicle. And you wonder why the people of the world don't come to you, not attracted to you, and you can't spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because I ask you, who would really want to hang around with you? Really. Uh, and, and I can speak on this subject because I was raised in a very legalistic church. Very legalistic. Uh, I told you that, that I couldn't go to movies. I couldn't go bowling. Uh, uh, I couldn't go to dances. Uh, we basically had one rule. I didn't have to ask my father whether something was a sin or not. The question was, are, are you going to have fun? Are you going to have fun? Well, then you know what it is. All right, I'm exaggerating a little bit. I mean, I have to take... But I remember, I remember it's 1957 or 56, the Ten Commandments, the movie. The movie has just come out. Uh, I want to go to see the Ten Commandments. It's the Ten Commandments. <laughs> My father says, no, you can't go. You can't go. Why? Because if Jesus comes back and you're in a the movie theater, he's going to bypass that movie theater. <laughs> there it is. I never knew it. There it is. Jesus has that on his card. Nope, no movie theaters, no bowling alleys, no bars. We're just going right past. Well, you know, it's going to be a short trip for Jesus if that's what's on his card. And I I remember having kids in my class come to my house and begging my parents, please, Mrs. Garippa, let him, John, come. Oh, he can't go. He can't go. And so that's the point of what happens. Now, of course, 15 years later, the Ten Commandments is now on television. Right? 
Remember, ABC put it on. It was a big spectacular. If you're my age, you remember this. And all Sunday night from like 7 o'clock at night to like 11, the Ten Commandments were on TV. My parents never even left to go to the bathroom. They were just like hypnotized. They were hypnotized by the Ten Commandments. What happened? Well, that's a long story. That's a long story. But you understand, listen, I have the scar tissue. I have the scar tissue on these issues. I want to I free you from this. I want to free your churches from this. This is probably one of the most important things we're going to talk about this year, this issue. Somebody said to me, can they take this and use it themselves? I said, take my name off and put your name on it. All right? I'd be pleased if you used it in your churches and you used it in classes and used it in... This subject needs to be derived and given to a broad body of people, all right? This is a broad-based factor. And so we're going to study the words of Jesus, not the words of John. My words are irrelevant, but what did Jesus say about this issue? Because believe it or not, legalism is there in the first century, it's the Pharisees and the scribes, and it's all about legalism. It's all about elevating a set of rules and regulations that had nothing to do with the love of God or the mercy of God or bringing the lost people in. It had everything about elevating self, elevating the religious elite, and we're going to talk about that now. So turn to Mark chapter 7. We're going to read a few verses here. Beginning in verse 1, the Pharisees and some of the teachers of the law who had come from Jerusalem gathered around Jesus and saw some of his disciples eating food with hands that were, quote, unclean, that is, unwashed. And you recognize that this problem here is a ritual problem. It's not a hygiene issue. It's that the Jews believed in ritual washing, ceremonial washing that they would do. And so the, the, the disciples didn't do that. Why? Because Jesus told them. They didn't have to do it. There was nothing religious about this ceremonial washing. It would not been commanded by God. And so beginning with verse 3, the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they give their hands a ceremonial washing holding to the tradition of the elders. Note that, the tradition of the elders, not a commandment from God. When they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And they observe many other traditions, such as the washing of cups, pitchers, and kettles. And you know that if you uh, go to a Jewish family, that they will have effectively kosher dinnerware. All right? They will have dinnerware that's kosher, that, that, that complies with kosher rules and regulations, that they will not serve food during the holidays on anything other than that kind of kosher uh, dinnerware. So the Pharisees and teachers of the laws asked Jesus, why don't your disciples live according to the tradition of the elders? instead of eating their food with unclean hands, okay? And I could substitute in that. Why do your people, why did your family go to movies? Why do your, why do your family pay, play cards? Why, do you, why does your family drink wine? Why do you go to dances? Should I keep going? Jesus replied, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites. You got to love Jesus, don't you? That's it, Jesus. Hold back. Hold back. Hold back. You hypocrites, as it is written, and this is a direct re reference right to Isaiah, these people honor me with their lips, 
but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are but rules taught by men. You have let go of the commands of God and are holding on to the traditions of men. There it is. You've left go of the true commands of God. We spoke about that last week. Mercy, humility, love. There's no love here. All you are is a bunch of fruit inspectors. You came out here to see what I was doing to inspect the fruit, and you found a flaw, and now you're going to make a major issue out of the fact that my disciples are not ritually washing. How dare you? How dare you? And he said to them, you have a fine way of setting aside the commands of God in order to observe your own traditions. For Moses said, honor your father and your mother, and anyone who curses his father or mother must be put to death. There it is, very straightforward command. But you say that if a man says to his father or mother, whatever help you might otherwise have received from me is korban, that is, a gift devoted to God, then you no longer let him do anything for his father or mother. Thus you nullify the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down, and you do many things like that. What is, what's he saying there? It's as if your father and mother are out in the curb. They have no place to live. They're impoverished. And they come to you and they say, we need help, son. And you say, oh, it's too bad. What I would have given to you, I gave to the synagogue. They have your gift. I've honored God with my gift. No, you haven't honored God. Your first honoring was to your mother and father. All right? That's what you do. You take care of your mother and father. That's the commandment. But you see how, how messed up their thinking was? All right? You see how messed up it is? This is what happens when you go down the road of legalism. Again, Jesus called the crowd to him and said, listen to me, everyone, and understand this. Please circle this in your Bible. Nothing outside a man can make him unclean by going into him. Rather, it is what comes out of a man that makes him unclean. Do you have that? That's Jesus saying it. Nothing that goes in that is being eaten or is being drunk makes a man unclean. Yes, of course, drunkenness makes him unclean. Yes, of course, uh, taking advantage of food and eating too much uh, is a sin. But other than those excesses, nothing that goes into his mouth is what makes him unclean. It's what comes out of his mouth. Can I get an amen? Amen. After he had left the crowd and entered the house, his disciples asked him about this parable. Now, there, I, I, you got to love these guys. I mean, because could, could Jesus have said anything clearer than what he just said? But look at what, what, what they say. Uh, and, and I love how Jesus said that. The disciples asked him about this parable. But Jesus, well, what is this? What, what, what are you trying to say? <laughs> and Jesus, again, the Dale Carnegie School of Jesus. Are you so dull? He asked. Don't you see that nothing enters a man from the outside that can make him unclean? For it doesn't go into his heart, but into his stomach and then out of his body. And saying this, Jesus declared all foods clean. And by the way, here they are. He tells the disciples, he preaches to them twice about this. And to show you how they didn't get it, uh, fast forward, probably about four or five years later, Peter is out 
uh, where Cornelius lives. You remember that story? And Peter is directed to go. First of all, Peter is given a vision where, where all these foods come down on a tablecloth, and they were all foods that would have been prohibited under the Jewish law to eat. Uh, and the angel says, here, eat. And Peter says, oh, no, I can't do it. I can't do it. And three times it comes down. And finally, the word comes down from God. What I have created is not unclean. If I created, it is not unclean. And then he's directed to go to the house of Cornelius. And he still has got an issue in his life. I don't know if I can go here. These are Gentiles. I'm not supposed to hang around with Gentiles. But he prevails because he remembers the vision of God. All of this is still after what Jesus taught them. So let's understand something. That's why, these, that's why our world is the way it is. Because the human condition is such that we don't want to listen we don't want to hear what God is saying. We rather do our own thing. I like doing rules and regulations. I like setting up a set of rules and regulations. It's like having a club. You want to be in my club? Here's the rules. Here's the regulations. This is what it takes to be in my club. And so you understand this and you see it. And over and over and over again, it's violative of God's law. Verse 29 there, 20, he went on, what comes out of a man is what makes him unclean. For from within, out of a man's heart come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. And these, all these evils come in from inside and make a man unclean. You want to understand the heart of God, what God looks for? He's not looking at what goes into your mouth. He's looking at what comes out of your mouth. And here it is, as Jesus gives you the laundry list. Look at the laundry list. Sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, Malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All of those things violate the heart of God. All of these things. And so you understand what God is saying to us today. Those are the, that's the essence of our Christian walk. That's what God wants you to focus on. He doesn't want you to be a fruit inspector and caught up in the legalistic traditions of the past. Look, I don't care about where you came out of. All right, we've all come out of some place that had some legalistic background. I told you, I love my father and mother. I was raised in that church, but it was tied up in legalism. All right, and legalism doesn't bring people to God. You understand? It doesn't bring people to God. If it does anything, it keeps them away from God. Because here's what happens. Anybody who looks at something like that or people like that say, they go like this. I don't want to be with those people. I don't want to live my life like that. I don't want to hang around with people like that. All right? You understand? And, and, and so you see it over and over again. We set up these rules and regulations and, and rituals, and it keeps us from drawing the loss to us. Look, I'm sorry. I know that this is a hard one to swallow. A lot of you come from churches that, that, that are immersed in this issue. Well, here's what I'm telling you today. Go back and change your church. You understand? Be the, be the essence of change. You be the person that steps out and speaks out. You be the person that lifts the light. Uh, because I'm sorry to say that this, is, this has become uh, noticeable across the entire spectrum of, of Christian churches. This is not an exception. It's become a rule. 
And this even relates to church membership. Oh, what are you saying, John? Well, you know, you want to become a member of our church? Here it is. Here it is. Take a good read. You got to read? There it is. Most of it relates to what goes uh, into your mouth. All right? Not too much about what's going out of your mouth, but you see that in a lot of places. You want to be a church. I don't see any rules about church membership here. If you find them, tell me. All I see, if you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're in the church of Jesus Christ. Amen? That's the church you want to be in. All right? So, yes, take comfort in your denomination. Okay, I'm all, I'm all for it. Look, I'm a member of a denomination. I understand that. But look, it doesn't mean that I sign on to everything that goes on. All right? I want to be a person that stands up for Jesus Christ, not that stands up for a denomination. I want to stand up for Jesus. I want to bring the lost in. And so let's understand this here. And so these traditions of the elders, let's understand how they all came to be about. They weren't, it didn't come out because they were bad people. They were good people. They were good people. They were religious people. They wanted to, they, they took the Old Testament law, uh, and what they, th- they saw there was that the priests were required to be washed and ritually clean. The priests That's what the law said. The priests were to be ritually clean. It had nothing to do with the people, but they took those verses and they leveraged those verses to make them apply to everyone. Why? Well, they said, well, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. It's the temple of God. And so if your body is the temple of God, then you should be tied up with the same thing that the priests were told to do. God didn't command that. That was nowhere in the command of God. It was outside of God's rule. Uh, And so even though their motivation was right, even though they wanted to do the right thing, it doesn't mean that your motivation is squared with the will of God. That can apply to a lot of things. You may be well motivated. It doesn't mean, it doesn't mean that you're following God. I ask you to bow to God and ask him to, to illuminate your mind and heart on this thing. This is a big deal. This is why a lot of us will never bring a single person to Jesus Christ. Not a single person. Why? Because who would want to hang around with us? All right? And look, I'm not saying go and live a life of debauchery. Please, separate what I'm saying. Please. What I'm saying is that God does not proscribe these things. He expects us to live the life of a godly man. He expects us to live the light that shines Jesus Christ. He tells us all these things that to, to stay away from sexual immorality and adultery and the violation of the commandments. But he doesn't tie all these ritualistic, legalistic issues to us. And so uh, it's so interesting to see Jesus in contradistinction with the Pharisees. Uh, and you see him speaking to them. And he's pretty serious and, and pretty severe, He doesn't hold back, so you get an idea how big this is. This is a big deal. Uh, And here's here's the point. You want to have your children at the cross of Jesus Christ? And here's what I would say to you. In your home, was it a legalistic home, or was it a home that was tied up with the love of Jesus Christ? Because for a lot of us, we've made our houses so legalistic, so severe, so ritualistic that our kids can't wait to get out. They have tied that conduct to God. 
That's why they walk away from God. Oh, God, forgive us. Lord Jesus, forgive us. I know we didn't intend it. I know we didn't intend it. This is why it's inevitably, you ever notice why when you hear somebody say, I'm a preacher's kid and usually they're a screwball? <laughs> Have you ever noticed that? Have you ever noticed that? I'm a preacher's kid. Ooh, whoa, whoa. It's walking scar tissue. You understand? It's walking scar tissue. Okay? And these, these poor kids uh, have been burdened with so many of these legalistic, ritualistic things that inevitably many of them walk away from God because in their minds they tied God up with this garbage. All right? If you can tell from the way that I'm preaching that this is a subject near and dear to me, you got it. Okay? You got it. Uh, and so uh, these rules are made to focus uh, on, on our inner conduct. Instead, God wants everything we do to focus on the outside, on how we relate to the lost, on how we relate to the world, uh, and how our heart relates with our inner motivations. God always, always points to the heart as the center for genuine righteousness. That's the idea of what Jesus preaches. It's the heart, the heart that tells whether a man is a godly man. It's what comes out of his heart. And so Jesus accuses them of raising human rules for the status of God's law. Jesus tells them that, uh, that, uh, that elders will make this mistake whenever they require people to do what they believe God has not commanded. Every time you tell people to live in a way that God has not commanded, you are not bringing people closer to God, you are bringing people further away from God. All right? Let me make that absolutely clear. When you start attaching things that have no relevance, that God has not commanded, you are putting things on God that he did not intend. Let me make the formula as simple as this. Jesus plus nothing else equals salvation. You got that? Jesus plus nothing equals everything. And all the other things that you put onto that formula are meaningless. They don't advance the ball. They don't bring people closer to God. All right? That's all we need to really focus on this. And so uh, think of all the laws that exist among believers today. Take a deep breath. Regarding music, you remember when rock and roll came out? Remember that? How many churches had uh, record burnings? Rock and roll, gonna bring you to hell. Elvis Presley is taking you to hell. Meanwhile, Elvis was a Pentecostal, but nobody told him that. But, but, but it's bad. All right, look, it's not music that's going to bring you to hell. It's your heart that's going to bring you to hell. You understand? It's your heart. So you look at that music, movies, movies, books, clothing, clothing. Are you kidding me, John? Clothing? Oh, yeah. I attended a church once that if you walked into that church, it wasn't my church, but another church, if you walked in and you were a woman and you didn't have a hat on, there was a lady at the back that had a doily and she'd slam a doily on your head. <laughs> Welcome, Jesus loves you. Boom. 
Jesus loves you. Boom. What is this? Well, this is what you have to do. Coming into the sanctuary of God. God is here. He will not be with you. He will not speak to you unless you have this doily on your head. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? This is advancing the kingdom of God. All right. All right. Devotions, even the rules that relate to how devotions are made, okay? That you can, only, you can only have devotions in a certain way at a certain time. God is everywhere. He's worshiped in spirit and in truth, not in a place. Every single place in the world. That's why I told you you can speak to God a hundred times a day. A hundred times a day in every possible venue. It's, it, there's no limitation of where that takes place. Church membership requirements, church membership requirements, you know, and every church has it. They all have it. It's not, I'm not picking on any one church. We set up these rules and regulations and, and they're so self-confining and they generally relate to a lot of this stuff that I'm talking about that's found nowhere in the Bible. Nowhere in the Bible. We're advancing the kingdom of God. No, the only thing you're advancing is you've put a wall up between those inside and those outside. And you will never bring those outside inside because of the wall you put up. Really? Really? I want you to think about this and pray about this and let this lesson resonate in your heart this week. I want you to think about this. Because I'm asking every man here to go out and pray about it and to be an agent of change. To be an agent of change, can you imagine all the churches that are represented in this group, and there's probably 20 different churches, if all of you are inspired by the word of God and said, I'm going to stand up, we can't do this anymore. The changes that would take place in this church. And look, let's understand something. This is evangelism. Jesus isn't just asking you to go out into the curb and go and advance that person who's homeless or those people that are homosexual, or sexual deviants, uh, or adulterers. He's talking about you evangelizing inside your church to get those people that are inside the church conscious of their hypocrisy, conscious of their self-centeredness, conscious of the fact that these rules and regulations don't advance the kingdom of God. You be the agent of change. You do those things. You be that, because that's what God wants you to do. Uh, in every possible way. Uh, as Jesus said, these teachings are but rules taught by men. Verse 7 there, Mark. Uh, and, and you know what? Paul speaks about this as well. Turn to Colossians chapter 2. And by the way, pray for me today because at 1 o'clock I have to do a funeral. All right? And the way I'm running through energy right now, I may need help getting into my car. So keep me in your prayers. Colossians chapter 2, verse 20. Since you died with Christ to the basic principles of this world, why, as though you still belong to it, do you submit to its rules? Underline that. Verse 21. Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. These are all destined to perish with use because they are based on human commands and teachings. Such regulations indeed have an appearance of wisdom with their self-imposed worship, their false humility in their harsh treatment of the body, but they lack any value in restraining sensual indulgence. He always hits it out of the park, doesn't he? There it is. They seem good. 
They seem religious. They seem self-restricting. But in the end, they're not changing anything. They're not changing your hearts. All right? They're not changing your minds. You ask God about these issues. You ask him to give you wisdom on this. And so the most important point here in Jesus' criticism is that God has given us no authority whatsoever to increase or change, which he, the Lord, has demanded of the people. Let me say that again so you got it clear. God has given us no authority whatsoever to change his law. None. Zero. He is their lawgiver. You are not. He is their judge. You are not. He is their creator. You are not. He is in every way their Lord. We are his sheep. He is our shepherd, and you are not. He purchased them for himself, and you did not. Uh, God is their true father. He is their true parent. He is the only one that has the full authority and right uh, to demand obedience to what he deems is appropriate from his laws. Our authority over others is always secondary and subordinate. Let me repeat that. Our authority over others is always secondary and subordinate. That is why I tell you when you're bringing somebody to Jesus uh, who is lost, who is out in the world, whose life is going down the tubes, who is involved in so many different things, you don't sit there with them and make him give you a testimony about all the bad things he's done. You instead love him, tell him about Jesus loving him, tell him that Jesus forgives him and embrace him and brings him into the community of believers. Then you turn him over to Jesus. You turn him over to the Holy Spirit and let Jesus do his work. It's not your job to sit there and go, yes, no, yes, no, yes, no, yes, no. You understand? But we like that. Oh, we like that authority. We like that authority. Your job is to be the messenger of the love of Jesus Christ. Wrap them in your arms. Wrap them in the love of Christ. Show them that this is a place where they can go that the world does not recognize. And when you see that, then you're going to see some incredible changes in the lives of people. When the love of God washes over them, when they see this, this change in their life as the Holy Spirit convicts them. How are you going to get people away from a life of sexual deviancy? You can't do it. Only he can. How are you going to do that? How are you going to change the heart of adulterers? All right, or thieves, or slanderers, or gossipers. How are you going to do it? You can't do it. We don't have the authority. I don't care how many times you sit there and pound the table. None of it is going to uh, amount to any change. It's only God himself through the Holy Spirit. And so this becomes a key issue. And so Jesus made it so clear that he, he continued to uh, hammer it home with his disciples. Uh, and so it's important for us to understand this. These words of Jesus were revolutionary. Do you wonder why they killed him? Do you wonder why he had to go? They couldn't stand it. He, he indicted them where they lived. They liked nothing better than to stand there in the temple. 
as they, they, they thought they lived by these rituals and rules and regulations and looked down at the tax collectors and the sinners and, and, the, and the prostitutes and they elevated themselves and Jesus couldn't stomach it. He couldn't stomach it, knowing that the mercy of God was being trampled under their feet. Uh, it's no wonder that he was hated by so many of these people. His words were shocking and radically different from anything that they had, uh, and so radically different that his disciples themselves had difficulty understanding it. Look, they had lived their lives in conformity with ritual diets. If they went out in the marketplace and came into uh, contact with a, a Gentile, they had to go home and ritually wash. Yes, we're going to bring the loss to Jesus. Let me just wash off any impact I have of being in contact with those losers. And you love them? And you're going to bring them to Jesus? Look, folks, look into your heart and you tell me. You don't, have to tell, you don't have to speak up. You just speak into your heart. Are you, is, this issue, is this an issue that you are struggling with now? You know it's wrong. You know it's out of God's will. And yet so many of us are burdened by this. I'm asking you right now to ask God to deliver you from these things, no matter where you are. Uh, and because a new day is dawned. It dawned when Jesus came to this world. It's a, it's a world that no longer lives by rules and regulations, but lives by the love of God. Only two commandments, Jesus said now. Love the God, your Lord, your God, with all your heart, with all your might, with all your soul, and your neighbor as yourself. That's it. You can put everything else away. Oh, 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 God. Oh, oh. is that it? Yes. Can you do it? No. That's right. You can't. You need Jesus. And that's the point. None of us can. That's why I told you there are no religious elites. There are no religious elites in this room. There is no religious elite standing here behind this podium. There are no religious elites. There's Jesus Christ, and then there's everybody else. And you know what? That's the way God wanted it. That's the way God wanted it. And so you see how difficult it was for the disciples to get their hands around it. Well, Jesus said it, it's so clear. And yet you see, Peter had problems. He couldn't do it. He's at the house of Cornelius and he's having a difficult time until Jesus rebukes him. God rebukes him. Uh, and so uh, to, in order for Gentiles to enter the church, God intended Gentiles to be part of the church. First, Jesus came for the Jewish people, but when the Jewish people rejected him, then Jesus opened up the entire word to the entire gentle, Gentile world. Jesus intended all to be saved. Go out into the entire world and make disciples of everyone. That's the great command in, a, in Matthew. And so these words are still difficult today, and many of you may be, may be facing difficulty even as I say this. Uh, and I ask you to pray about it and ask God to give you wisdom to touch your heart. Um, we, we, we need to know that, that God's rules apply no matter what the age is. I don't care if it's the year 30 AD or it's now the year 2018 AD. God's rules are immutable uh, they, and they, they are appropriate and continue to have relevance. Uh, Jesus rebukes us, rebukes us for this sin. Uh, and this is one of the most serious weaknesses of the evangelical church today. Uh, 
It's one of the most serious weaknesses of the evangelical church today. All right? Uh, and we have responsibility about this. Listen, when you study the way we've studied, and you see what Jesus has said, you see that Jesus has spent all his life bringing the lost in. You don't see him excoriating uh, sinners. You don't see him doing that. Instead, you see him loving. But instead, you see him excoriating the church. He's excoriating the religious elite. He's excoriating those people who elevate ritualism and legalism and a self-created uh, theocracy that he never intended. Uh, and so this becomes important. And that this disobedience to God is a serious, profound sin. And why do I say it? Because you are keeping people from coming to the throne of God. All right? That's why it's serious. You are keeping people from coming to the throne of God. Your rules and regulations don't bring them in. It throws them out. And it sets you up in a separate class. Who would want to have an affiliation or respect or love for you? Uh, instead, they would, they would look at you as being outside outside of what the world would really want as a friend. And we have more to offer than anybody in the world because we have the love of Jesus in our hearts. So don't tie up the love of Jesus with a rigid, ritualistic, legalistic exterior that keeps that love from shining out. All right? I mean, really, this is important. Jesus tells us that we, haven't, we have neglected the more important matters of the law that legalism is so ugly and has no power to attract unbelievers to the truth. Legalism encourages separation and drives unbelievers away. For my character is demonstrated by the company I keep rather than the quality of my life. Did you get what I just said? My character is represented by my pals in my legalistic community instead of the veritable quality of the life that God has given me, the saving, merciful nature that he has planted in my heart. Uh, and this becomes so significant. Uh, the rules that were designed by men, uh, and uh, that they intended to make us pure, are essentially designed to keep us apart from sinful people. That's why the rules were put there. We'll put these rules together. Why? We will be separated from the world. We'll be separated from the world. Jesus doesn't want you separated from the world. He wants you in the world, bringing the lost people of the world to the cross of Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen? amen. And so what it means is the veritable rules we have set up, this, this, these predetermined legalistic, ritualistic rules we have set up, uh, have the effect of undermining our desire to love, serve, and communicate the gospel to unbelievers. And I know some of you are saying, I don't understand it. Why am I not being used by God? Why can't I bring people to Jesus Christ? Well, I want to ask you, are you bound up with the love of Jesus Christ, or are you bound up with rules and regulations and legalism? Have you become the fruit inspector? Even if you think, oh, I'd never be a fruit inspector. I never would be. Oh, but boy, look at how those guys are. Look at where they go. Look at what they do. Look how they conduct themselves. Ooh, they're bad people. 
Yeah, I, I'd never be around those people. I'd never be around those people. Or you bring, other pe- you bring people like that to church and you'll have other people saying, you know, you really shouldn't be bringing people like that to church. It makes the rest of us feel uncomfortable. Church isn't for those kind of people. Really. Church is only for the elite, for the elect. That's where church is for. We don't, we, don't, we don't want to bring those kind of people in here. So we make ourselves so culturally different that we feel out of place and make non-Christians feel uncomfortable with us. Well, now he's really getting personal. We make ourselves so culturally different that the lost would not want to be around us. Think about that. Think about that in your own life. Yes, God has called you. Yes, you're a Christian. Yes, you're a man of God. But have this manifestation of legalism so affected you that now you've become culturally different from people you want to attract in? <clears throat> you want them to be, see Jesus through you. You don't want them to see a set of rule of rules and regulations. I know if some of us, you know, as soon as you meet somebody and they'll ask you uh, uh, what church you go to, what denomination you are, and you say a certain denomination, and I'm not saying any specifics right now, and the thing will go, oof, oh, 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 you guys, you guys, you guys are strict. You guys are strict. And immediately you can see backpedaling, Right? You could see it, backpedaling, backpedaling, backpedaling. Can't, can't wait to get, get out of your presence. I don't, I don't want you sitting here at my table at the country club. I don't want to be playing golf with you, all right? I don't want to be playing golf with you, all right? Why? Is it because they, you're not a good person? Of course it's not. Is it because you don't have the love of Jesus in you? No, of course it's not. It's because when they see you, they see a bow written on your top of your head with legalism, rules, regulations carried that keeps people from coming to the people of God. Oh, Lord Jesus, have mercy on us. And so some of the most difficult people, some of the most difficult people to reach are those who are rebellious because of the over-legalistic homes in which they were raised. How about that? In which the homes they were raised, they've rebelled against God because they tied God into this ridiculous legalism where God said absolutely not. And so now they walk away from God. They walk away from church. Or because membership in churches that impose all sorts of unscriptural demands keeps them away from participation. We want to bring people in. We don't want to throw them out. Legalism is fundamentally worldly. Understand what I just said. Fundamentally worldly, even though it claims to be spiritual. It's not spiritual. Uh, Christ came to substitute his moral perfection for the moral failures and our inability to follow the law. He went to the cross because he recognized that all of these rules and regulations were for naught. It didn't bring people closer to God. It brought them away. And only when Jesus Christ died on the cross in his morally perfect life could we come in and share with the righteousness of God. 
and so here's a principle that I think you can take and you may regard it as true. And that is the more legalistic a church is, the less genuine outreach there will be. All right. You got that? The more legalistic a church is, the less outreach there will be. And here's one of the other things that you will see. Nobody, no church, no group ever admits to being legalistic. Have you ever noticed that? Nobody. I'm amazed. I, I mean, I, I see some of the most incredibly legalistic places, and then, and then I'll hear some sermons, and the sermons will rail about those legalists. And I'm thinking, where am I? Where am I? Where am I? Because here's the point. They don't even have the ability to see themselves in the mirror. God is calling you. This is the call on our lives as men of God. Go out into the world. Go out into these churches. Effectuate the gospel of Jesus Christ. Bring this gospel to people that need it. Evangelize those people who don't think they need to be evangelized. Not just the homeless, the sexual deviant, the adulterer on the curb, the drunk, but those inside the walls. Inside the walls. God is calling you to change it, change the culture, change the church, break down the walls, make this church, make our church a church where all are welcomed, where God's love is evident, where, where people can come who are brokenhearted, where we reach out in love and let Jesus Christ make the change. Let him effectuate those changes, not us. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for the words that you've given us, Father. I ask you that, that you continue to illuminate us this week, that these words grow and resonate in our heart, Lord, that you convict us as to our conduct and how we want us, you want us to live, Lord. Bless our men, protect them, and bring them back safely next week to continue the study of your word. We put all of this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. God bless you.